This is R. J. Rushdoony, Easy Chair Number 389, June 16, 1997. This evening, Andrew Sandlin is out of town, so he is not with us. But Douglas Murray and Mark Rushdoony and I have the privilege of chatting with Eugene and Robin Newman. The Newmans are from Michigan. They are homeschoolers. I'll let them tell you about their family. Uh, Gene is a corporate executive. He has been exceedingly active in the homeschooling cause, in Christian reconstruction, and a variety of activities for Christ in Michigan. Gene and Robin, it's a pleasure to have you with us. And uh, it's been a marvelous thing the last few days to uh, visit with you and to share in stories and experiences. Why don't you start in, Gene, and just tell a little about yourself, your family, which is a very important subject to me, your children, who are remarkable, all of them, and what you and Robin have been doing. Well, we have been homeschooling for 11 years. We have 10 children, 6 boys and 4 girls. Our oldest is uh, 24, and our youngest is 4. Uh, we started homeschooling uh, 5 of our children when Michael, our oldest, was in 4th grade. And sixth grade. Sixth grade? Sorry. And we uh, continue to homeschool them throughout the high school years. We have, now have three in college. Um, uh, Sarah has um, really excelled in the area of music composition, and she's gotten scholarships at uh, various uh, schools. Uh, Michael is in a business um, uh, program, and Sam is um, uh, in a pre-law uh, program. Uh, and in addition to that, uh, being homeschoolers, we also felt it was necessary to, in the east part of the state of Michigan, uh, which is the more populous part of the state, uh, we were able to form uh, a homeschool federation of homeschool support groups, which became known as Christian Home Educators of Michigan. And uh, we formed for the explicit purpose of supporting homeschool support groups um, by way of sponsoring seminars. And there's been some pretty exciting things that we've done. Uh, our structure is unique. Um, we are a federation. We have a constitution with bylaws. Um, it's almost uh, similar to a, a representative uh, form of government, almost Presbyterian. Uh, CHEM might be considered a session where the representative to Kim represents um, uh, the homeschool support group. Uh, one of the more exciting things that we've done, uh, not only is that structure, to the best of my knowledge, unique in the country, because most statewide homeschool associations are really sole proprietorships, but we also have a calendar of events. We do more than just uh, sponsor an annual convention. Uh, we, were, we were told uh, we're the only group in the United States that a non-creation science group that sponsors an annual creation science convention. We sponsor this in uh, 
late January, early February. Uh, and we've had three uh, uh, conventions uh, in total. We're uh, in the planning stages of uh, number four. And it's been a real blessing and I think a, a wake-up call to our community to keep creation science in front of homeschoolers. We've had people like um, uh, Ken Ham and Dr. Gary Parker from Answers in Genesis, uh, Dr. Clyde Billington, who is one of the outstanding biblical archaeologists in the country from Northwestern College. Um, we've had Ian Taylor, who is a, a lecturer originally from Canada, and he wrote um, In the Minds of Men, Darwinism in the New World Order. And Ian is, uh, is English. He worked for the BBC as well. And one of the great successes he had uh, is that Darwin, uh, in, the, in the Minds of Men, is a thick book. It's probably five or 600 pages. And he wrote it without any reference to uh, the Bible, to religion, uh, Christianity, whatever, so that it would be published, hopefully, in uh, all of the public schools in Canada as well as the uh, universities. And that is, that is exactly what happened. This book, which was an attack on Darwinism, and the entire evolutionary uh, thesis was published throughout Canada, and he became quite well known, and he's an excellent speaker. So, we, so what we have managed to do is to invite these uh, speakers to come in, and that's what CHEM is all about. We want to support uh, and enlarge the experiences of homeschoolers because it's very easy to get cloistered and, and so on and so forth. Uh, so I've been elected uh, the president of the board of directors. We have a seven-person board that have uh, one-year and three-year terms. They are concurrent. Um, and this keeps continuity on the board as well as uh, fresh uh, faces. Uh, and we've, uh, we've been very blessed by the uh, number of uh, seminars that we've been able to do in addition to a curriculum fair and a separate annual convention, the Creation Science Convention. And this year we debuted a, um, what will become a conference on economics. Our first one was called a Business and Career Conference, where the emphasis is on calling. Uh, we want, and we advertise it as such. Um, it's, this particular year, we started out like a career conference where we had colleges and universities uh, come and set up tables and pass out their information and so forth. We also had seminars done by local businessmen on how important it is for Christian students to have a sense of calling, not just a job, not just a career. Uh, and we were very, uh, we, we got a lot of support on that. The conference itself didn't attract a lot of numbers uh, for the first year, but we did get an awful lot of support in terms of uh, Christian homeschool families saying, I hope you continue to do this, and when we're ready to attend it, we want, to, we want it to be there so that we can gain access to this information. But our vision is to make it an economics conference with the career aspect, sort of a subset of Christian economics, because we feel it's very important that that's really what we're talking about. Uh, the, the, the choice of what am I going to do in terms of a livelihood, a profession, a career, a business, is, is one of the most important and one of the most basic decisions you can make with respect to the broader picture of, of how does God expect us to understand economics, stewardship, 
you know, this is the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He is the one that determines all economic criteria and standards. And Kim, uh, largely through the influence of the board, has um, wanted to really promote this idea in, in eastern uh, Michigan. And we reach out to about 2,500 families. Uh, and so we've been very um, excited about uh, how Kim has evolved. It's grown every year. We're a profitable organization. There are no dues. We accept no donations. Uh, Kim makes its uh, revenues strictly from running seminars on a profitable basis, and that gives us money to do things which are not inherently profitable, such as we had um, this uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, we sponsored um, a commencement exercise where we had 27 uh, homeschool graduates, and we had 400 people in the audience. These are the families of the graduates and so forth. It was a wonderful opportunity. This is cap and gown. There was uh, a charge to the graduates by a speaker, and it was such a wonderful thing to see uh, the mothers and fathers come up to the stage uh, giving their graduate a diploma. Many of them had scriptures to share. Many of them said blessings over the graduate in front of all of these people. It was a great testimony. And of course, many of the people in the audience are family. Uh, we assume that probably half, if not more, are not even uh, Christian. So there's a, there is a, an exposure there uh, and um, uh, an opportunity to show the, um, uh, the outside world that when Christian Christian families take responsibility for education. It isn't just a question of teaching. It is truly a family um, uh, event. It is something that a mother and father actively support, and, and there's some real fruit that uh, emerges from it. So we're very excited that uh, the Lord has given us an opportunity to serve his people in terms of Christian home education and in terms of this uh, organization. Robin, do you want to add something to what Jean said. I think I'd just like to, uh, for the sake of people in the audience, let them know the breakdown of the children in the family a little bit more clearly. Jean and I have been married for 25 years. Last October we had a, a big family celebration, and so we praise the Lord for, mm -hmm. for that. And um, Michael is 24, Sarah is 21, Samuel is 19, Jesse, the one who recently graduated, is 17. Elizabeth is 15. And then we have a five-year gap. And then we started with our Merry Pride children. <laughs> and uh, Daniel now will be 11 soon. And Benjamin is 9. Jeremiah is 7. Abigail is 5 and a half, And Rachel is just about 4. So that comprises the 10. We'll be homeschooling for a while, won't Yeah, we, we will. <laughs> I thought it was interesting what... Uh, he reported a few years ago, just commented incidentally, that when the children go into the classroom, you're not mom, you're Mrs. Newman. <laughs> do you still do that? No, we dropped that. We're a lot more informal. We used to have a, a classroom set up downstairs in our yes. basement, and uh, we had to do a remodeling, and when they remodeled, they had to knock out or cover up some of the basement windows. And when we lost the light, kind of got depressing to be downstairs. So we've done a lot more schooling at the kitchen table mm -hmm. upstairs over the last few years. And we are in the process now of remodeling the basement again. 
and trying to brighten it up and we're going to rethink school and sort of reconfigure things and stuff. We had much better success in our school when we worked in terms of a classroom than we do at the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. It's been very noticeable, the difference in um, the routine and the structure and, and the response of the children. Do you want to go back to Mrs. Newman? Your mother is Mrs. Newman. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to keep it more informal? Well, they call me mom. <laughs> Well, Jean, since you've gotten involved, the news out of Michigan is of victories for the Christian school movement instead of defeats. Michigan used to be a bad news state mm -hmm. for both home schools and Christian schools. Some of the old line schools there were, without mentioning names, much given to compromise. These were, to an extent, uh, parochial, totally church-related schools and unwilling to make a stand. But in recent years, it's been one victory after another for Christian schools and homeschoolers. And from all that I have heard, you've had an important part in that victory, the central part. Well, uh, we've, we've had to... We were... Uh, Unwilling participants, uh, if you will, Rush, uh, in the sense that we, <clears throat> Michigan has always been sort of a divisive state. Uh, the western part of Michigan is dominated by Grand Rapids, uh, a Dutch Reformed heritage. Uh, it's more agrarian and, and so forth. The eastern part of the state is Detroit, it's Motown, it's industrial, uh, it's far more liberal. Uh, the western part is more conservative and so forth. The oldest homeschool association and the largest one started in the west, in the western uh, from the Grand Rapids uh, area. And so Kim, uh, by its very existence, uh, was sort of uh, seen as divisive in some respects, but we've, we always tried to minimize that. What happened recently was uh, a legislative battle which uh, really pitted, unfortunately, in some respects, uh, and exacerbated this division between the, the West and the East. Uh, Kem actually ended up um, on the opposite side of the issue, which I can explain a little bit because I think it has some relevance to other state uh, Christian homeschool organizations. Um, but what happened was that we ended up uh, not only opposing the, the position that was taken by the other homeschool association with respect to state entanglement in the lives of Christian families, but we also were able to reach out and create some alliances with non-Christian homeschoolers. And I think that there was um, a great blessing in that. Uh, to be brief, do you want me to just give you sure, a little bit of the background? Take your time. What happened is that Governor Angler several years ago decided to rewrite the State Education Act. And in that rewriting, of course, he opened up all the cans of worms and, and uh, he allowed uh, people to uh, suggest all kinds of uh, new um, legislation that should be included. Uh, there was a senator that decided to put some wording in to protect homeschoolers. Uh, before I go on, let me say that uh, Michigan used to be a very onerous state for homeschoolers. In fact, Michigan prior to 1993 uh, was um, very hostile to Christian homeschoolers, 
homeschooling in general, and we had one series of losses after another until 1993. We kept appealing these cases. We went to the Supreme Court, and in 1993 there were three decisions that made Michigan, as a, resu as a result of those decisions, one of the freest states in all of the country. And uh, home education became a constitutionally protected right as a freedom of uh, expression of religion and, and so forth. There were, it was a marvelous, uh, marvelous decisions, and we were able to really shirk the yoke of the state. Well, uh, this was in 1993, and for two years there, was, there were no uh, suits, there was no harassment of any, of any uh, real significance. Uh, it was very, very peaceful, and until the governor decided to rewrite the education bill. The Republicans had gained um, a majority in both the Senate and the House, and so they saw this as an opportunity. Well, a senator decided to put in some homeschool legislation. To protect us. To protect us. And here was the statement that he wanted to insert in the, in the, in the act. He said, a, a homeschool child is exempt from the Compulsory Attendance Act if the child is being educated by his or her parent or legal guardian at the child's home, unquote. That's it. A very brief, succinct statement that we could all get behind and, and so forth. Well, that was in the Senate. The Senate is more conservative and so forth. That language, um, the, the, the people that understand what the politics in Michigan no one expected that language to survive in the House, and it didn't. And what happened is that when this bill passed the Senate and came to the House, there were people gunning for the homeschool part of it. And there was a couple of state representatives from the west side of the state that wanted to put all kinds of onerous burdens on, uh, uh, on the um, uh, Christian home educators in, in, in Michigan all kinds of entanglements, including possible state testing for psychological purposes and so forth. Um, we did not know all of this was happening. Michigan has three state representatives that are Christian and are homeschoolers. Apparently what happened at the 11th hour is that one of those representatives, um, whose motivation I think was, was good, in other words, he didn't want the onerous legislation, so he proposed to substitute the onerous legislation with wording that he had been successful with in the probate code. Well, first of all, we as an organization don't take political stances, but we are free to do that individually. We didn't want uh, any legislation being proposed without the homeschool community talking about it and, and affirming it and, and something that we could get behind. Well, this representative decided to substitute this new language from the probate code, uh, which basically said um, if you were um, teaching your children at home, that in itself was not sufficient evidence uh, for child abuse. And in the probate code, that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to say, you are guilty of child abuse or neglect. The Department of Social Services would have to come in if you were teaching your children at home. No other evidence of abuse or neglect. Well, this particular representative was very instrumental in inserting language to protect only those cases that come in front of probate. Well, that's a very small number. If you take the same language and insert that into the education bill, now that covers every child 
in the state of Michigan, not just the ones that are in, um, uh, in the probate. Number two, homeschooling was never defined in the state of Michigan, and this was a great advantage. All of a sudden, there's language that is being inserted. Instead of this person simply saying, well, we don't want any language at all. We'll just leave it the way it is. It's not broken. Well, you know, why try to fix it? Instead, here's what he inserted. The child, this, is, uh, this legislation was an exemption to the Compulsory School Attendance Act. And here's what the uh, language said. The child is exempt if the child is being educated by his or her parent or legal guardian at the child's home in an organized educational program that is appropriate given the age, intelligence, ability, and any psychological limitations of the child in the subject areas of reading, spelling, mathematics, science, history, civics, literature, writing, and English grammar." Unquote. Now, I think everyone at this table and our uh, listening audience uh, will immediately see that there is so much room. This language is so fraught with uh, interpretation. Uh, what does it mean? Uh, what, what does it mean to have an organized educational program? What does it mean that you are to teach it appropriate given the age, intelligence, ability? Who's going to measure this? And what's more, assuming you could even define these terms with any kind of legal specificity, it was far more onerous than what currently exists for the public schools. The public schools wouldn't ever go for this. Teachers don't want this kind of responsibility and accountability, and yet this language was imported uh, and, and, and inserted. Well, let me tell you what, what this was very, very amazing, because when, when we found out about this, I wrote a letter to the CHEM members telling them, uh, this is, what we've, this is what we think has happened, please find out, and so forth. Well, what we thought happened did happen, and they took this letter and copied it and sent it out all over the state. Well, by the time hundreds of homeschool support organizations found out about it, they were besieging their representatives in Lansing, and they nearly shut down the entire city um, because of all of, the, all of the outcry as a result of this legislation. And what's ironic is that the people that were responsible for this exemption, this new language, had convinced uh, the legislators in Lansing that they had the support of all the homeschoolers in the state of Michigan. And when they got hundreds of phone calls, if not thousands, saying exactly the opposite, they were furious. Well, to make a long story short, uh, Kim was able to align uh, itself with other uh, uh, non-Christian homeschooling groups to oppose this and we even we were successful enough that we were going to split the Republican caucus and and what we were told is that the governor insisted that a compromise uh, solution uh, uh, be uh, implemented and what we wanted first of all we wanted repeal but we didn't think that repeal was going to fly and so what we wanted to do was at least to strike out the offensive language having to do with appropriate given the age, intelligence, ability, and psychological limitations. And we were able to get that passed as, an, as exemption F, and then we added something else. Exemption uh, A in the code 
already exempted homeschoolers under the non-public school code, like all the private schools in the state of Michigan operated under this. Homeschoolers were operating under it as well. But now we had a homeschool exemption, but it was fraught with problems. So here's what we have ended up with. We now have in the state of Michigan exemptions, which you can either be exempt under the uh, uh, secondary school or the private school act, or you can be exempted under this language or both. And, the, and the, the fascinating thing about it is that exemption A and exemption F are largely contradictory. So now you have in the statute, you can be exempt under A or F or both at the discretion of the parent. And now no lawyer will touch this <laughs> at all. And we were able to salvage a situation, but at a price. And I want you to know that, that the stand that individual chem members took, and myself in particular, um, was, uh, was one that was assailed bitterly and with, with a great deal of venom, uh, especially by Christian homeschoolers in the state of Michigan, because they... Uh, were, they did not want to see anything change in this legislation, and they did not take the same view that um, this was going to entangle the state in the lives of Christian homeschool families. So we were, uh, there was a, a, a very great victory that, that we have, and now Michigan is, is one of the finest states, the most, uh, one of the uh, freest states now, as far as uh, home education, and I think, uh, and I praise God that Cam had a very important part uh, to play, in no small part because we were Christian. It had never happened that the Christian community was was divided along this the statist interventionist idea. And when Kem took the position it did, it really sent an important message that what we were after was Christian liberty. We wanted to be free from state entanglement. We were not interested in taking the state's money and having the state analyze our kids and, and certify them and all of that sort of thing. And we were given an opportunity, I believe, by the Lord to really demonstrate that. But there was a price that was paid. Uh, any questions before we go further? Mark? Douglas? Well, I had uh, one question, not uh, relating directly uh, to what you were discussing, but one of the uh, apprehensions of many people that homeschool their children is how do we make the transition at the point where they can no longer be homeschooled? How do you uh, arm them with the armor of God to go out to the college level or to the high school level? Many people jump into the homeschool thing at the you know K through 8 level and don't see this problem looming in the future because they're so consumed with the immediate task of homeschooling their child. But many people, in fact, Andrea Schwartz wrote an article in the Calcedon Report about the difficulties that she had with her son when he uh, went to a public school. Uh, just, for instance, expressing his opinion on abortion and got a bloody nose uh, uh, in the, in the, uh, when he walked outside the classroom. So how do you arm kids for that so that they can stand up against that? I'd just like to comment, first of all, that it's not, I don't think people are so preoccupied with the elementary grades that they don't think of that. When we work our conventions, I was telling Rush a little earlier that it is not unusual to have people coming through that are newly married 
and asking questions about homeschooling, and they don't have a child yet. <laughs> we'll ask them, how old is your child? Oh, we don't have one yet. We're just trying to get information. Or we have a two-year-old, and we're seeing more and more of this. And usually one of the first questions that comes from somebody who is considering homeschooling, even if they haven't started yet, even if they have a four-year-old or a five-year-old, is what do you do about high school? What do you do about college? They don't have to worry about it for 12 years. That's one of the first questions yeah. that they ask. It's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. But to, to arm them, um, I think solid instruction in Christian doctrine, discipline, um, Jean has done an excellent job with our children in that regard. They have to be able to, to stand. Um, they will be different from the other kids, just the fact that they were homeschooled. Robin, would you comment on the frequent complaint by non-homeschoolers that homeschooling doesn't permit the proper socialization of the child? Well, socialization is, is one of those big questions that always comes up. And um, it's interesting to note that children are not socialized by their peers. What they do is they pick up their peers' bad habits. Yes. And um, what I think we really want for our children is a phrase that you used a little earlier, the social graces. We want our children to be well-mannered. We want them to be respectful of authority. Um, we want them to know how to behave and what is appropriate behavior in given situations, common courtesies, common sense, all of those things are really the social skills that our children need. Socialization, I think, is the process that we see all this peer pressure and the peer influence. Mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely not healthy. That's certainly not something that is desired for our children. It's like the blind leading the blind. Yes. The best socialization of the child is the family. Oh, absolutely. And certainly your children are clear-cut evidence of how uh, powerful and beneficial that is. It does give a child a better ability to meet the world. He knows how to deal with personal relationships. And he feels more secure as he confronts the world. What do you want to say about it, Gene? You are uh, well experienced here. Well, we are going through um, something. Uh, we may have a wedding uh, with our oldest daughter in about a year. Uh, we're not sure yet, but uh, <laughs> one of the big movements within the Christian homeschool uh, community is the idea of uh, courtship uh, versus dating. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and some of some of this even goes so far as um, arranged marriages and so forth. And uh, when I think about it, it's really not such a bad idea if it can be done. I used to be very much <laughs> against it. And of course, when Robin and I were married, it was we weren't even Christian. I mean, it was the furthest thing from arrangement. It was total convenience. But what is happening now is that as a result of our ability to expose our kids to homeschooling and the sort of independent thinking that, that can emerge out of this, um, they are very um, supportive of the courtship idea. And that's exactly where we are right now. Um, they, uh, my daughter is, is insisting on courtship, which means that, number one, it's, it's an exclusive relationship between uh, her and uh, what would otherwise be her boyfriend. 
But one of the biggest differences, and this is new for us, Robin and I are going through this for the first time, and there's not a lot of models out there, uh, but one, one of the distinguishing characteristics of courtship is that it, it gives me now the right to talk to what could be my future son-in-law as to what, is, what are his views on marriage? What are his views on uh, uh, you know, providing for his family? It gives us an opportunity to meet her, uh, his family, for his family to meet our family and to get to know each other and, and so forth. Uh, in a more or less structured uh, environment. And it's, it's so wonderful to see this coming voluntarily uh, from my oldest daughter. Uh, my prayer is that my next daughter, who is 15, um, is going to follow suit. Uh, my oldest daughter, I think, is setting a good example. And it's been really, um, it's been a blessing. It's been very gratifying that our kids are trying to take what they've been taught at home, especially when it comes to more traditional and biblical morals, and really trying to apply it. And I think the homeschooling, I credit the, the idea that we're a homeschooling family, and we have that contact with our kids on a more uh, intimate basis, a more uh, daily basis. I really do credit that environment as, as uh, adding to the success of us transmitting these values without the kind of negative peer pressure and socialization that kids get from uh, the public schools. So we, we're not by any means experts, but we are having an opportunity to go through this and, and kind of experiment a little bit, but it's been, it's been exciting and a little scary. <laughs> Sarah is, um, what, what should, should we name him? Should, I don't know, what, how should we refer to him? <laughs> oh, the husband-to-be? Husband-to-be, okay. shall we say. Um, has been um, willing to have lunch with Jean on numerous occasions so they can kind of get to know each other a little better, um, share views. Jean's been able to disciple him a bit. Um, he's been, he's been, uh, he comes from a uh, Presbyterian background, but uh, not a theonomic background, uh, not a Reconstructionist background, uh, not a very Reformed background. And, and he's been more than just open. He's really changing his views. And it's, and it's uh, in part due, I think, to uh, the influence of um, his wife-to-be, possibly, <laughs> who's very much like this. She's a composition major, and she was even offered a 50% uh, scholarship if she would switch her major to philosophy, because she is uh, very good at um, uh, philosophical disputations, and uh, they, they, are really, uh, they her, really like her. Her field is music. Yes, music composition. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think that uh, having me as a dad and, and we catechize our children, we, we, uh, I try to train them in, uh, in apologetics um, uh, using many of the, the, the materials that, uh, Rush, you have uh, written and others. And uh, she has really taken it seriously. And our children are beginning to take it seriously. Um, we want them to engage the culture. We do not want to escape problem we have is when you have one who wants to do it and is not equipped. True. We have a couple of those who desperately would like to be able to really defend their faith and they're at the point where they're out with friends and something comes up in conversation and they realize they don't have the answers. Right. They just don't come. They, they get stopped short. And then they'll come back and ask, what do I say when someone says this? What do I say when someone says that? And uh, we're, we're beginning to see more of that take place now as the kids are actually out and experiencing challenges 
Douglas, they, is that what you were referring they, to? They have the desire honest? to want to be able to be equipped. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think yeah, um, they have to fall a few times before they realize that's what they sure. need. But we, um, for example, one of the things that um, uh, happened as a result, it was a byproduct really of, of how our kids approach, is that I had the opportunity to have a discipleship group for a year. We had, uh, it was a closed group, it began open, and then there was a point where I announced we're going to go through a, a, a systematic, we use Burkhoff's um, uh, uh, Christian Doctrine, yes. he, he, that little blue book that he wrote mm -hmm. for college students, Summary of Christian Doctrine. And at the end they were going to write, they all had to write a 1500 word uh, essay on uh, on one of eleven doctrines, and so we they went would be through like it. College freshmen, they were either high school age or college freshmen. Yes, college this. freshmen, and Sarah had a part to play in that. My son, who, who's twenty four, had a part to play in this. And uh, in terms of arming them, uh, you really um, homeschooling already uh, gives them uh, this differentiation. They're not in a conventional school whether private or public, so right away they're different. So right away there are questions, and so right away they have to start defending various kinds of things. Uh, and Sarah and her friends, and the, the group eventually was, uh, I believe, six, uh, six um, young college-age kids that stayed for an entire year and took notes, and we went through the whole thing, but we did it from the standpoint of defending the faith. Mm -hmm. What do you say when they say this, and what do you say when you say that? And you can't do that unless you're willing to get into some of these doctrinal areas. And it was, they were excited about it. Well, well I know, excuse me, ahead. last year in Virginia, Sarah was asking question after question with an amazing uh, insight into key areas. It was really very refreshing. Well, she's, uh, she's quite astute. She's, a, she's uh, the most of, of all her brothers and sisters. She is by far the, the most advanced in, in that area. She has a, she has a love for uh, this kind of thing, and, and I, I thank God for that. Not all our kids are, are like, that. like that. She has had the amazing ability to always ask the correct question or mm -hmm. to, do, to ask the question. She had the opportunity to go to Interlochen Music Camp for three mm -hmm. years, and throughout the course of the study there through the summertime, um, they had certain performances that students were required to attend. And one of the performances that Sarah was required to attend was one of all this modern atonal music. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, they went back to class and the professor said, you know, well, what did you think of the concert? Sarah raises her hand and says, I have one question. He says, yes. She said, what's the definition of music? Yes. <laughs> and that's exactly how she thinks. She was yes. not going to render an opinion on this concert until she knew exactly what the definition of music was supposed to be. Now that either gets you some respect or gets you uh, <laughs> something serious else. Trouble. No. <laughs> serious trouble. <laughs> Douglas, you were going to ask something. Well, both my sons graduated from University of California, and one of the things that they brought to my attention is that there is animosity directed toward people who excel. I mean, it's, it's part of our culture. Mm -hmm. It's almost a cliche nowadays. 
for instance, at University of California, the the students from the Pacific Rim countries, uh, Korea and so forth, uh, Japan, who do really well because they're highly motivated and their parents are, you know, pushing them. Uh, but they draw a lot of fire, you know, from the other students because they're pulling the curve up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it would seem to me part of the training to learn the finesse of deflecting that anger on the part of Christian homeschool children who do really well, who excel. Uh, rather than letting it fester, be able to address it so that it diffuses it and goes away. How do you do that? I don't. I don't really know. Um, I think that uh, I think our experience with our own kids and with others is. Um, I mean, pride is pride mm -hmm. from that standpoint, uh, and excellence. Uh, homeschool kids can often accelerate faster because you don't have a lot of these institutional barriers, um, and they do have to. They do have to acknowledge that um, every good and perfect gift is from the Father of Lights. It isn't. They have nothing to boast over from that standpoint. They really need to be grateful, and it's as big a challenge, I think, for homeschoolers as it is for anyone else. If there's an advantage. It's be, the advantage is that the parents in a homeschooling situation have a lot more, have the potential of having a lot more credibility with their own kids because they are a, a much more visible example of self-sacrifice, a more visible example of dedication and commitment, and that carries a lot of weight. And I say it's potential because, unfortunately, too many parents miss that. Uh, homeschooling is not uh, equally understood and accepted by homeschoolers and so forth. And so you do have, for example, a, a lot of dads who do not endorse the homeschooling idea, but they put up with it because their wife wants to do it. So you have a lot of, the, you have tensions there. That is destructive. Uh, that's not a good situation for the kids. One of our biggest jobs is to uh, get dads to buy into home education and to support what their wives are doing. There's a lot of resentment there because sometimes wives give up a job that they were earning money to stay home full time to teach their children. And some of these short-sighted and stupid husbands uh, don't realize what a, what a, a great gift uh, that, that they have and their wife wanting to do this and they actually throw obstacles mm -hmm. and hostility towards their wife in doing this. So you'll find in, in uh, just about every Christian homeschool association, uh, you will find an emphasis on trying to get dads mm -hmm. to, uh, do, to buy into this and, and so that potential can be realized. But we do have, I think, an advantage in uh, deflecting those kinds of Things and teaching our kids uh, because of the homeschooling, that tutorial, one-on-one -on -one family type mm -hmm. of environment. Well, I think one of the methods that I've seen work is that uh, uh, networking, uh, study groups. Uh, universities tend to be pretty ruthless places, and the faculty, uh, you know, extols that. It's survival of the fittest, really. 
And if kids buy into that, uh, it gets to be a pretty ruthless world. Some even commit suicide because they can't handle the pressure. They're not equipped for it. And I think that uh, Christian school kids could probably go a long way to helping by forming study groups, you know, among the kids who really want to get somewhere and uh, help deflect some of that animosity that's directed toward the high achievers. Well, I know that uh, Sarah, for example, um, has been successful in her philosophy classes at putting forth a biblical worldview, but not jamming it down the throat of her professors. Uh, There's a fine line there. There is a fine line. And Sarah and I, I've had wonderful uh, conversations with her as we, as she is given a paper to do, for example, on Kant. And of course, if your professor is Kantian, he doesn't want to see all this kind of criticism, uh, you know, thrown. So how do you, in Sarah's attitude is, look, I've got to somehow get um, a biblical worldview inserted in here, but I don't want to flunk the class. Mm-hmm. So there's the tension. Because I tell Sarah, you are not there to change the university. You are there to get an A. (laughs) And then you can change and so forth. But you're there to, you're not there to fight, uh, you're not the Joan of Arc of the philosophy department at this particular university. Uh, Especially when you're a freshman or a sophomore. uh, Something like that. So we've had a lot of fun with that and I think a lot of this has to do with the willingness of the student mm-hmm. to uh, to engage and to kind of um, experiment a little bit. Uh, this is kind of un- uh, uncharted waters in many respects. Mm-hmm. I don't know too many models. I think you bring up something else interesting too, which is the um, fact that there is animosity for a high standard. The quality of the other students that are going there should be striving for the same, right? Why would they have animosity? They should be... Uh, well, they, they, there's uh, that leveling yeah, that is going on in our be, society, that dumbing down that... Um, because of the uh, this ruthless attitude that's engendered by the faculty who will get up in front of the new class and say, half of you won't be here two weeks from now. You know, that's pretty tough talk for a freshman, some kid just out of high school, you know, who's got got to get through this somehow. Uh, if they're not equipped to handle that, handle it with some grace, as most kids are not you know, going through the public school, it's, uh, it causes them a lot, uh, a lot of them enormous distress. We are used to thinking of professors as persons with a position and dignity and uh, stature, and we forget how many of them are coarse, crude, and downright evil. And they take a delight in using their power over the students. Our son Michael is going through that right now. In this particular class, it's nothing but the agenda of this particular professor. And it's terrible. One of our biggest problems, and that's why I've had Andrea Schwartz write about the experiences that Anthony is having. Uh, Because most parents are convinced that... uh, the university or college is a place of dignity and uh, uh, fairness and so on. Well, that's not true. It is a very ugly place. Uh, Campus Magazine, which represents the conservative students across country, in every issue documents things that make Tony's experiences sometimes look like uh, 
child's play. And uh, the sad fact is that Christian colleges are not much better. They're church-related, and they're compromisers. They want to please the universities, and so they're ugly places. I really am appalled at the simple-minded approach of so many Christians. Even this second article about Antony's experiences drew some uh, critical phone calls and Andrea reported them to me. And it was amazing. They're not able to communicate with their student children, so their college student children are not telling them the truth, or else they have surrendered and gone to the other side. One of the things that Christians have to do is to create a Christian academic community and they have to recognize that some of the most highly respected evangelical colleges which are regarded as strong in the faith are compromisers to the nth degree. And uh, you can document that uh, at great length. But the alumni or the parents refuse to admit that it can be true. Well, so there, a lot of the Christianity that that we see is very superficial. Yes. And I think that is, it comes really as a shock to students as well as uh, families when, when uh, you know, the faith is being assailed. They aren't being armed. A lot, a lot of times, uh, Douglas, they're not armed because they don't want to be armed. Yes. They want to somehow love, accommodate, assimilate, uh, compromise. They're not being taught to contend with error. They're not being taught that it is righteous and good to oppose uh, evil intellectually and, and so forth. They really don't believe that, that somehow the New Testament uh, sort of either did away with that or inverted it and the turning of the cheek, they do that in, in, at every opportunity, mm-hmm. even if it means to sacrifice the name of our Lord and, and everything that he stood for and everything he tried to do. One of the great evils uh, of our time are the accreditation committees. And they insist that you are not uh, truly a college unless you meet their approval. And their standards tell you that step by step you're going to have to be like the state colleges and universities to please them. Now, this is something directed against the independent school. For example, Harvard is not accredited. And that's true of other big universities. Is that right? Oh, yes. They're not going to have any... uh, council of professors come in and tell them uh, you are okay, you're really a university. The idea uh, is incredible to them. Those committees are for the uh, idiot uh, groups like Christians who decide to pour millions into starting a college. And so they call in the accreditation committee to approve them. 
Well, the accreditation committee is very happy to approve them, just given a few little adjustments, because they're now inside the fold. And each time the committee visits them, it tells them, well, you have this to do and that to do, until step by step they've made them the same as the state Mm -hmm. colleges. We have ways of getting around that. I know here in California, if it is a church-related college or seminary, it is not subject to any such regulation. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mentioned uh, uh, Chem's Creation Science Convention. Uh, one of the largest and most successful Christian schools in eastern Michigan um, uh, determined that they would not teach creation science as a valid alternative. Uh, actually, they teach their theistic evolutionists. And I know this because several of the teachers uh, came up to me from uh, uh, that particular school and they came to the creation science convention mm-hmm. to arm themselves with the scientific evidence and, and all the great work that uh, creation scientists are doing. And the reason why these schools are not um, open to teaching creation science and affirming the Word of God is because of accreditation. They are more interested in getting accredited by these important uh, accreditation associations than they are in teaching the truth. Yes. And it's it can be pretty disheartening uh, well, to see that. Well, it's very interesting. Day. It's not necessary because there are plenty of homeschoolers that mm-hmm. put together their own transcripts and the kids go on to college and do very well and nobody's mm-hmm. accredited anyone. Yes. Well, in this state, even though a church-related college or a seminary need not seek accreditation, they do. That's how brainwashed and stupid they are. Yeah, they do. They they look for it. Yes. When they don't, and they boast of it. Our kids, our kids, um, <clears throat> uh, we, our kids have never had a problem uh, applying to college. They take the SATs if they want to apply to college. It's a nationally norm reference test. Uh, we give them a college transcript. They take an interview, and they get accepted or rejected on that basis. This whole idea of accreditation and certification and all of this stuff is a myth. It is yes. really used to control, mm-hmm. not to further yes. uh, standards um, mm-hmm. and, um, and uh, educational We have just a few minutes left. Does anyone want to make a, a, a statement or ask a question in that time? Could you briefly comment on uh, your what? Do you use a traditional curriculum, or do you are you a little more free in what materials you uh, use? We basically use a traditional curriculum. The kids pretty much have English, math, a science, history, you know, language, phonics kind of thing. Reading um, every every year, all the way through every grade. We've used a lot of, I like Rebecca for the early grades. Um, what else have we used? And then we've just taken other textbooks. We've used Saxon. And, uh, yeah. there's, there's a lot of good material Saxon, out there. Yeah. And um, what's the Constitution book that I, I did? Uh, Gary DeMars got in government with the older kids. Um, so we, we're a little bit eclectic, but for the most part, routine and structured. I don't use a lot of unit studies per se. We probably do one per year 
simply because it's an awful lot of work when you have six kids that you're schooling at any one particular point in time. They have to do all the groundwork, all the research, and put everything together for everyone. For me, it's just more time consuming than the results that, that I've gotten from it. I, I do, each of the kids has their own math book and their own, you know, English book, etc. And uh, we do Bible together, and we usually do one unit study of some kind per, per year. This year we did some kind of things with uh, more medieval studies, and when we got, kids wanted to do that. When we got started, Mark, we did use a off-the-shelf, organized program A to Z because we needed to get started. That's not a bad way to get your feet wet. Any other comments or questions? I would like to comment and just thank you and Dorothy and um, all the other family here. How wonderful you've been to Gene and I as we've been here visiting. We have Absolutely. had a, a wonderful time and you've been so well, gracious and giving to us. Thank you very, very much. We're very appreciative. We're privileged that you did come and we hope you'll come again and soon. And uh, it's been about, let's see, your baby was just how old when you were last here? She was less than a year, as I recall it. Well, our time is up. Thank you all for listening, and thank you, Jean and Robin, for being with us. God bless you always.